everybody. Welcome to Discover Church. We're so glad that you're here. If you can go ahead and find a seat. Find a seat. We're so glad you're welcome here. You can, all the people that you met are the greatest people in the world. Uh, some of the nicest people. My name is Preston. I want to welcome you here, and I want to just tell you thank you for making it out uh, on this Sunday night. I'm so thankful that you're here, every one of you, and, uh, and I'm really, really grateful for this faith community. Uh, throughout the service, if you guys have questions, you can text in questions. You can see, you'll see a number in the top right corner of the slides. If you do have questions, we'll reach out to you during the week to answer those. But I want to just tell you something that um, to some of you is going to sound strange, but to others of you, you're like, no, no, that sounds, that sounds right on. Um, throughout the week, believe it or not, we do, the elders and the staff, we pray for this church all the time. And uh, throughout the week, I was, what I felt in my spirit was that I needed to remind you, um, as some of you, situations that I do know, situations I don't know, that I just need to remind you, in the beginning, when the Spirit of God hovered over what seemed very chaotic and brought order to the world, that the Spirit of God still does this. And there's so much chaos, not just in our world at large, but in our personal lives sometimes. We just need to know that the Spirit of God brings the grace of God over our lives and brings great organization and aligns us with who He is. So I just want to speak a word of encouragement to you, that if you do feel like it, you say, it has been nothing short of chaotic. You go, I don't know what you're going to talk about tonight, but I wish you would talk about that. I'm saying this because throughout the week as I'm praying, what I felt on my heart was to say at the beginning of everything, so much can feel chaotic. But we serve a God who brings grace and peace and love. And when we are in a line with him, we actually will see things start to shift. And we'll start to orbit around who he is. Okay, so I wanted to speak that to you. We are um, in this series that's called Live to Give, where in the world, typically right now, it's a very consuming mindset of we are going to take now, I will tell you this. We just had um, some people went to a friend's giving of just a bunch of ham and turkey and whatever these are going on all over um, the city and the church and all this stuff. I, I'm telling you this. It's okay. If you're eating on Thanksgiving, don't say, well, we're doing this series, so I have to give. Just consume all the food that you want. But what we're talking about is the principle, not just the principle, but becoming generous. Becoming generous. So we talked about before, how great is your God? We look at God and say, he just gives. And then we say, okay, how great is your adventure? This was last week, how great is your adventure, right? Because your adventure, giving is an adventure. Being, being generous, being this type of person that you live to give your life away is an adventure. And, and today is a, we're specifically going to talk about money. And this is where people go, I don't like to talk about money. Well, I believe that if we release the treasure of our heart, which so, to so many of us is money, when we release that, God has access to so much more of our lives. And, by the way, we'll talk about it in a little bit, how much the Bible talks about money and how much Jesus talks about it. So if you're one of the people that you're listening and you go, I don't like all the Old Testament stuff, and I, I just, I actually like whatever Jesus has to say. Jesus taught on this a whole lot. And so we're going to talk about um, how great is your generosity? This week three of this series. So I'm going to pray for us. And remember, 
what we're talking about is if we could release what is a treasure to our heart, if we can learn to release that to God, well, then God actually has access to more of us. What this is about is not how do we get each other to give more. That's not what it's about is how do we release the one thing that tends to have people across all generations and across all time and across all um, geographic locations, what tends to have people? In fact, Jesus said this, you cannot serve two masters, both God and money. You would think he would say Satan, or you'd think he would say Netflix or something, right? But he said money. So he knows there is a war for our hearts. And before I pray, I want to preface with this. So much of this topic has been abused in the past. That does not mean the abuse of a truth doesn't mean we don't talk about it. Just means we revisit it, asking for the Holy Spirit to help guide us in our questions and our wrestling, and then in our participation of what we need to do. So let's pray. Father, I thank you that we are here tonight. You know, some of our friends and family couldn't be here. Some have already left on vacation, um, and we just say, bless them, keep them safe, and give them rest. And would you tonight? Do what we ask you to do so often. Would you calm the storms that need to be calmed? Bring peace where there's chaos. And Lord, there are some of us that there are storms that need to be caused. Would you do that graciously? But always be with us in the process. Help us, Lord, to listen to your word and to do it with an open heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Thanksgiving is right around the corner, which a lot of you... I know there are a lot of people who are actually gone for Thanksgiving. A lot of you are actually going to get on a plane maybe tonight or tomorrow or the next day. And some of you are just going to throw the biggest, baddest parties you can here, okay? I don't know what your Thanksgiving tradition is, but I want to tell you, when it comes to Thanksgiving traditions, there are some really strange ones. I was watching um, Jimmy Fallon. I don't know if you ever watched Jimmy Fallon, and he does this, the hashtag bit of a show where he, he puts up a hashtag you know what I'm talking about, maybe, on Twitter, and then you have to, like, say what, something about your life with that hashtag in it. So one of them was, I think, Thanksgiving traditions, and uh, super funny. And then it made me think about my traditions. It made me think, what is a Thanksgiving tradition I've had? And here's one that's kind of strange. The, the more you come to church, the more you'll learn about um, my family and our weird traditions. In, in our family, in fact, I, I actually don't know if this is going to happen this week when I see my parents, but in our family— Every single year, my mom, after everyone's eating, eating and all this stuff, you know, a, lo a lot of you would be like, that's nap time. It's not nap time for my mom. She goes and gets the magazines with the advertisements for Target and Kohl's and Walmart and all this stuff, and she sits down. And my parents, they, growing up, they used to call me Tommy because my middle name's Thomas. Don't call me Tommy, please. It's weird. But, um, but they'd say, she'd say, okay, Tommy, sit down. And we're going we're gonna to circle all the things that we're going to get on Black Friday for everybody else. This is Christmas shopping time. Okay, so this is where they, this is actually how my mom had to have the Santa discussion with me was because I saw all the stuff she's circling. So we're sitting down, she's circling, highlighting all this, and, and then she does this. She would go, okay, we're going to get up at four in the morning, which is, by the way, is child abuse. So we said, we, she said, we're going to get up at four in the morning and we're going to be at Target before they open. Nowadays, you're like, why don't you wait till, what is it, Cyber Monday, I think is what it's called. Well, because it wasn't a thing back then, okay? And, and so then we'd get up. And I realized now, as I was thinking about this, I actually realized my, 
I think my parents used me. I think they, every bit of what she was doing was because I was small and agile and fast through the lines. And there's one time, there's one time to get to the front of a line, I was yelling, Mom. I was going, Mom. My mom was behind me, okay? I was going, Mom, Mom, Mom. And my mom's following me through the line. So I realized my parents used me. That was a black, or that was a, that's a black memory. That was a Black Friday tradition. Um, that's a Thanksgiving tradition for our family. And, and uh, I remember one time a pastor uh, told me this. He said, hey, the Xbox has come out, which <laughs> I don't know if people buy Xbox anymore, but the Xbox come out and my son wants one. This is the pastor. And he said, would you camp out in front of Best Buy? Because somehow word spread that I'm really good at this, okay? Would you camp out in front of Best Buy? So I did. And I didn't get paid food. I didn't get paid anything. I just was in line and got an Xbox for his son on Black Friday, okay? This is a Thanksgiving tradition. It's super weird. <laughs> I don't know what your Thanksgiving traditions are. But Black Friday is weird to me because it's like you're going to save $10, $20, maybe $100, and people go crazy over saving, saving, saving. I can save so much money and still get what I want, which tells me on the other side, the other thing that would drive us crazy is giving, 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 giving. Because when you save, at least, and you're saving money and you're getting what you want, at least you're kind of getting what you want. But whenever you're giving, you go, I don't, I don't actually know what I'm receiving in this. I, I'm giving away. So one of them gets us really excited to talk about all the deals out there. The other one, which that actually, actually caused me anxiety, but the other one gets us a little bit weird to talk about because we're talking about not spending, not gaining but giving, we're talking about generosity. If I, if I open my Bible and I were to say, okay, it's Sunday night and let's go through the passages in the New Testament, in, in just the New Testament, and not just the New Testament. If I said, let's just go through the passages in just three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Let's go through the passages that talk about money and how we spend money, just like we sit down and we circle the, the uh, stuff that's on sale. If I, if I were to do that, one in every, the ratio is one in every six verses would talk about money in Matthew, Mark, Luke. And out of Jesus's 29 parables, 16 of them refer to a person and their finances and their money and what they've been given. The, the topic very often, very often brings up anxiety. Not when we talk about how do we spend to get what we want, but how do we give? Because we don't feel the immediate attachment. We don't feel the immediate sense of gratification. So what I'm going to do is instead of going into all those parables, I don't know if you want to go through 16 parables, instead of going through all those, and all those verses, and by the way, we're going to tonight kind of get a bird's eye view of the overarching theme of Scripture. But um, what I would say is this, when, whenever, instead of jumping into all that, I'm actually going to tell you a, a statement and then walk through that statement with you on how the Bible shows us that this is true. That, but the statement is not, it's not, it's easy to remember, but it's not easy to do, okay? It, it's, it's short, but it takes a lifetime. You follow me? It's that kind of statement. So th this is what, this is what I'm going to tell you. If we're looking at the overarching theme of Scripture, what it seems to say is this, God judges what we give by what we keep. Seems to be the overarching theme of Scripture when it comes to 
our generosity, what we give away. God judges what we give by what we keep. In other words, uh, Sir Henry Taylor, he said, he who gives what he would as readily throw away gives without generosity, for the essence of generosity is in self-sacrifice. So what they're saying is, if you give your yard sale stuff away, that doesn't really foster generosity. Remember we said this before, you can sacrifice without love, but you can't love without sacrifice. The essence of why we say become generous is because it reflects our Father so deeply. And uh, I'm, I'm going to quote my favorite author, C.S. Lewis, to bring clarity to the other uh, statements. So, God judges what we give by what we keep. Here's what C.S. Lewis said. I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I am afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. It's a really interesting statement. It's really fascinating for a lot of reasons. Uh, Being in ministry, one of the things that Lisa and I want to practice is this sense of generosity in our lives. But it's not just that, but we have the honor and privilege of walking with so many of you and before we're in Denver, so many different people of different walks of life. And the topic of money and generosity, when that topic comes up, to see how people react and to see how we all kind of like, it's like some of us are grabbing a hold of a high voltage fence and you're like, I don't know how to let go, stop talking. And then others of us are like, no, no, I'm I'm interested. And then others, you see, it's just so interesting. But what we can say is this, if you're interested at all in following Jesus, he says some things about this that would be interesting to you. If you find Jesus to be Lord of your life, he says some things about this that it would be good for you to submit to. All across the spectrum, the world will tell you, spend, spend, spend. Self-gratification, self-gratification, self-gratification. The kingdom of God feels so upside down in so many areas of our lives, and it definitely feels upside down in this area. It's so different. So I'll go back to what I said. God judges what we give by what we keep. So let's talk about kind of the groups of people that we could fall into, what we keep what we keep, okay? Here's group number one, those that don't give. This would just be those that don't give at all. So if we're saying God looks at the heart and says, I, I can see generosity based on what they keep. There, there are people who don't give. Now, here's what's interesting. It's not that they're like in, in this weird, um, evil, distorted way going, I'm just not going to give things away to people and I'm not going to give to the local faith community. I'm not, it's not, I, don't, I don't think that's the case, actually. That's why I'm trying to preface with we've had the honor of seeing so many people walk through this. A lot of times it's that the self-consumption of the world around us teaches us don't even think that way. Think in a way that it's about you. And so to swap the paradigm and to go, have, can you think about what it would be like to give something self-sacrificially. What would that be like? I mean, we, we could talk about money, and we certainly will, but even for some of you, y- your neighbor, your neighbor, you know your neighbor hasn't had a date night in the last, like, three years since they've had a baby. And you go, well, I don't know. They need a date night because they're grouchy all the time. Babysit their child. <laughs> give, give, give your time away. And you go, yeah, but that means it's going to, like, cut into my schedule. I know. Becoming generous isn't about just giving away all that we don't need. It's about giving away for the sake of the other person. 
There are categories you can think of to break free from this, but it's really hard. It's actually like this. Um, if, you, if you've ever set a mouse trap and you put cheese or peanut butter, let's just say cheese, okay, you put cheese in the mouse trap and you load it and then a mouse is coming after the cheese. Well, the mouse, the whole time, this, the reason this typically works is because the mouse is thinking, this cheese is mine. Right? Like, I, the cheese is mine. I get the cheese. Well, if the cheese could talk, the cheese is going, the mouse is mine. Just come closer, and it'll get you. And the mouse goes up, and the cheese, and then the, the trap snaps and gets the mouse. And before you know it, the whole thing just ends the lie. Why? Because, it, because if our life is about just getting, 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 and we don't actually think about the impact that has on the world, well, we're likely to suffer from that. That's what it says in Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes, like I said, I'm, I'm trying to actually give you an overall um, view of Scripture, but I know I, I can't do that in, in 30 or 40 minutes, so I want you to research this on your own as well. Ecclesiastes said, uh, this is chapter 5, verse 10, whoever loves money never has enough. Okay? Whatever mouse loves cheese, well, I'll, I'm just kidding, it doesn't say that, but you know what I'm saying? Whoever has, loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owners except to feast their eyes on them? I mean, I, I know this from personal experience whenever I am living in a way that is I don't want to give anything away. I only want to uh, not just receive, but I only want to essentially consume, it actually doesn't fill the, fill the void that's inside of my heart. The author of Ecclesiastes elsewhere says that God has placed eternity in the hearts of man. And so that would show me that he's in your heart, he's put this need for something eternal, and we're going to always try to satisfy that with what we can get our hands on, which is why uh, here at church we say, let's get our hands on God and let's, let's grab a hold of the Father. He satisfies. But so much of us, uh, this category of just those that who do not give, that's a category for us. Um, and it's a hard category to live in. So let's go to the second category. There's those who do not give. Here's the second category. Those who give intermittently, Okay. This would be, again, if God judges what we give by what we keep, these, this would be people that maybe they say, okay, if I'm in church, which, by the way, what, what I want to do, let me just hit pause. What I want to do is this. I want to talk in a way that we've talked about this whole series. We're not talking about you're not where you should be in these areas of your life. In fact, I, I want to tell you I am fully aware none of us are where we should be in the areas of our lives. We are all growing in grace. But what we're saying is, what if we talk about this idea of generosity as the floor, not the ceiling? Wherever we're at is the floor. That's our starting point, okay? Wherever you're at on this. You go, I'm actually in category one. I'm so glad you're here. That's the starting point. Would you consider this second category then? And if you go, I'm in category number two. Okay, would you consider a third category we'll talk about? So it's the floor, not the ceiling. We, none of us have arrived. We can all start looking more and more like Jesus. I think that's why he talks about it so much. But those who give intermittently, these are people that may be uh, sitting in the pews or sitting in the chairs, 
that they say, oh, okay, I, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm going to give and I'm going to give um, when, it's, when I have something in my pocket, the bill's not going to be too large or not going to be too small. It's not going to be a hundred, but it's not going to be a dollar. You know what I mean? It's like, it's the tipping mentality, okay? So it's the, I, I have it and I'll give when it's convenient. And by the way, this intermittent giving, what, what ha- happens to all of us when we, our hearts are moved, but there's a challenge later that there's a, a way to be generous, to live generously, um, but this so often is where we find ourselves kind of landing, is we land in a place where we go, okay, it, it, is, it is time for that. They've shown a video, and it's moved my heart and stirred my affection. It's time to give, and, and we do. Is that bad? No, it's not bad when your heart is stirred that we give. That's not bad at all. What I'm saying is this is a category, and it's the floor. It's not the ceiling. Th- this entire uh, category, by the way, is something that we face because there are so many needs around us. Some of the time, what happens is we go, I don't know what to give to consistent. I, I don't know what to do financially consistently. There's so many needs around me. So whenever I'm in the moment, then I will act. And Paul in the New Testament speaks a little differently. He speaks about a way of being generous that if you live this way, It's not that you're not being generous, you're being generous, but it's hard to become a generous person. It's hard actually to just consistently, and and here's what I'll say, here's why. All the things in your life that you want to be a regular thing in your life, talked about this before, it could be your Hulu subscription, it could be your mortgage payment, that should be a regular thing in your life, okay? It could be your your, um, utility bill, it could be a, a bunch of things. Those are just set up. Those are just set up to, to be a regular thing that it will be provided for and you won't even have to think about it. And throughout scripture, it's almost like Paul and what we're going to read is saying, can you set up for the work of the ministry? Can you set up for that? That it's not so sparingly and it's not so intermittently, can you set up for that? This is in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. It says, now about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian church to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Now, here's what's interesting. Here's what one of the commentators says about this passage, okay? This is verses one through two. It's very short. I mean, we're talking two verses. They said this chapter, this entire chapter, may seem unrelated to our needs today, but actually it deals in a very helpful way with three areas of stewardship. One, money, which is verses one through four. Two, opportunities, verses five through nine. And three, people, verses 10 through 24. And then the commentary says this, there are probably, these are probably the greatest resources the church has today, and they must not be wasted. That the counsel is, instead of just um, giving in a way that it is just when it's convenient and when it's just kind of sporadic, it's all over the map, to say, if you look at it like a map, you go, no, faith with Jesus is a journey. 
and being part of a body of believers is a journey. And in the journey, we help each other, and we do everything we can to help those around us in the city. You know, we have city, um, nation, and world partners. We do everything we can in our journey. Giving's not just a blip on the map here and there, but it's going, how do I make this a regular thing? So how do I, this is what he's saying, where he says, um, in uh, the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up, so when I come, no collections. It's like th- this is a regular thing. On the first day of the week, there is a regularity to the thing. Th- but this is a group. And if you say, that, that's me, I'm, I'm there. If you show a really moving video about dogs, I'm going to give in order to save the dogs, which you should, by the way, okay? So don't, don't but I'm just saying, if, if that's you, it's not shameful. I'm not up here saying, shame on you. I'm actually saying, can we just say, that's the starting point. That's the starting point for you. What can we do? Would you consider that in following Jesus, this area of all of our lives is the best locked secret when it comes to expressing our full devotion to Jesus? It's the, one of the hardest areas. And here's the third category. If truly God sees what we give by what we keep, here's the third category, those who tithe. Okay? Group three is those that tithe. Now, I know, I know for sure so many questions come up, which is why we're going to dive into this. Uh, tithe literally means a tenth. If you grew up in church, there's, there's a church culture that says, give a tenth of your income back to the house of the Lord. And this is, we'll talk about why in just a second, but that this would be that we live on 90%. We give a tenth of our tithe in order to see the ministry being fulfilled in our city in our nation, in our world, the tithe. Tithe is a weird thing because when I talk about this, some of you will have in your mind, you go, I remember, I remember when this was preached before, um, not discovered because I've not preached it in the way that I'm, I'm given as an illustration, but where you go, I remember hearing about it, someone said, give $10 and it's going to turn into $10,000. Or you may say, I remember seeing this on TV and someone said, give this percentage of your last paycheck and you're going to be healed, right? I'm not, I'm not making those claims, okay? I'm not making those claims. If it's been abused, this discussion, I tell you, the abuse of a truth doesn't make it legitimate or illegitimate. If it's true, we want to follow it. We don't want to follow the abuse uh, that's happened. And so on behalf of the person who did that before to you, I would say, I'm sorry that's ever happened to you. But let's jump into scripture. Let's jump into what this category would be as a tithe, okay? The text, uh, Leviticus 27, 30, it says a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain or from the soil or fruit from the trees belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Holy meaning set apart. It is set apart for the Lord. This would be one way we talk about it. Uh, There were actually three tithes this is really interesting. Uh, there's some people who say the tithe was to help the widow and the orphan, and they didn't have health care back then. They didn't have certain um, government structures that we have now that are going to help those who are in need and that are going to help the marginalized. So therefore, the tithe is obsolete, is how some people would talk about it. The tithe actually was taken up in, uh, there were, uh, you can think of it as three different tithes that were collected from Israel. One was to support the priests and Levites. Another was for sacred celebrations. And a third was collected once every three years to support the poor 
orphans and widows. So really, the percentage boils down to like 23% instead of 10. And you go, well, we have systems in place. And tax now, when I pay my taxes, it goes to help those things. Well, a lot of people would say that's why it's not, we're not saying like, let's take up three different tithes and 23 to 30%. We're talking about a tenth. And, and we'll talk about why in just a second. Why tithe? Can we ask that question? Why tithe? I'm going to read a scripture that's going to be really interesting to you if you haven't read the book of Malachi. It says this. Will a mere mortal rob God? Which just pause. Think about this for a second. Think about that idea of robbing someone. Okay? Just think about that idea. And the way that this is written is written in a way to evoke kind of those emotions. Who, what mere mortal, not just mortal, not just human, you mere mortal, okay? You're just, okay, would a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, the whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Now we can pause for a second. I'm always fascinated with the way that God reveals himself and the names he uses for himself. Test me in this, the Lord Almighty, okay? You're talking about Lord, and you're talking about a really, really strong character in this narrative right now. The Lord Almighty, test me in this. Nowhere else in scripture does God say, test me. Now, there are times God tests us like a student is tested by a teacher, but nowhere in scripture does God say, test me. One time he does. And I, and I just want to acknowledge how powerful this is because, because the one time is this thing that tends to have the strongest grip on our life, finances. Even talking with someone you love about your money is really, really difficult, okay? When you get your credit card statement in the mail, you don't get all jolly inside, okay? You put that to the back, like you're gonna open that tomorrow, okay? Anything, you see what I'm saying? Like this, this idea of finances has such a strong hold that the Lord Almighty says, hey, you, you can test me in this. You can test me in this, okay? So test me in this. Um, says Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. It's almost as if he's, um, God showing us, I own everything. I mean, in scripture, what you, what is like one of the easiest gems to find in all of scripture is this truth. God owns everything and he's sovereign over everything. I own talents, opportunities, money, uh, the world, the star. I, God owns everything. And as a way of trusting to go and we give back to him by way of, we typically by way of the storehouse of God, which nowadays would be the local church. We participate in giving, which is why we say we want to give in the coat drive. We want to give um, to Convoy of Hope. We want to give to missionaries around the world. We want to give, we have a food truck. If you didn't know that, it's awesome. We have a donut trailer. We want to give, and we want to raise money for local nonprofit organizations that are on mission or mission neutral with us. We, all these things, we say, we want to do this, we want to do this, we want to do this. But every vision requires provision, and the whole model is, and God's people go, we do this together. 
We are actually in this thing together, and I'm trusting God when it comes to this, that I can give back to his storehouse because he's given to my house. I've told you this before a few weeks ago. I just, I'll remind some of you. When I asked one of my kids for like a French fry, okay? You remember this? When I asked one of my kids for a French fry and they say no, and we're at McDonald's, I go, there's a few categories for them. I say, now, I can just take all the fries away. Okay, I can do this. I bought you the fries. And I can stop providing fries for you at McDonald's. I can stop that. And uh, all I'm asking for is a fry. <laughs> That's all I'm asking for. Uh, I use that illustration again just to show you the simplicity behind being a child of God. And when the Father says, hey, you can see if I'm faithful. If I'm faithful with your finances when you're faithful with mine. And the simplicity of a child saying, yes, I, I believe that. I believe all things come from God, and I believe I'm not the one who owns all things. So this is a whole category. Why tithe? Well, because the Bible says to. Now here's an objection that some of you may have. Isn't that an Old Testament teaching? Sometimes people think this is just an Old Testament teaching, um, but it's actually clear that Jesus reaffirms this idea of tithing. This is in Luke eleven forty two. okay? It says, Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. It was really fascinating. I feel like if Jesus was going to go after the principle of tithing, he could have said, you do this, but you shouldn't do that. You should just care about justice. But he doesn't. He actually says, you practice the latter without leaving the former undone. Or, I'm sorry, you should have practiced the latter without. He's saying you don't practice the justice and love and the mercy of God. But you do. You do practice this. In the New Testament, actually, when we talk about um, the, fl the floor, not the ceiling, there's a passage we'll jump into in a second that is very much uh, shows us a, a tenth wasn't uh, a big deal to the people of the New Testament. There were people that were going and selling their land and their homes whenever they would see other people in need. There are people, and by the way, there are people in this congregation who, um, who their homes are offered up to anyone who doesn't have a place to stay, and their land is offered up to anyone who needs a place to stay. There are people, and I commend you for that. There are people in this congregation who say, hey, the tithe is like, the starting point, but I, I want to go up. I trust God. And there are testimonies of people saying, I never thought I would be able to give things away to God, but when I have, he's been very faithful. There's testimonies of that too, all throughout here, all throughout the congregation. But what I want to make sure that we do, when we talk about generosity, can you imagine how silly it would be to talk about the topic of generosity and our lives being generous, and then just dancing around the topic of money and never just saying, hey, Let's step into some categories that God looks at how we give by what we keep. And here are the different categories of, of how we tend to keep things. Some are we just keep it all. Some are we give intermittently, and some are we tithe. And um, it's not just in the Old Testament. And if, by the way, if you go, it's an Old Testament thing. 
then go for it. Go live by the New Testament principle of giving because we're going to jump into that right now. Okay, here's the fourth category. The fourth category is those where the tithe is the floor and not the ceiling. Um, I'm not going to use names, but I do want to tell you there's a couple in the congregation who came up to me and someone from this couple did, and th- this is what they told me. They said, hey, you know what our aspiration is? And I said, I do not. <laughs> I know very few of your aspirations, but I would love to hear. And he said, uh, we want to be the secret Santas of this church. And I said, awesome. I explained that to me. They said, we want, if there's like another church that's going to be launched or there's things that need to be done in the church, we want you to be able to come to us and we can just say, okay, we're going to fund that. And I said, that's an am- tell me more. That's an amazing aspiration. I think that's great. And, and that, to me, is those where the tithe is the floor, not the ceiling. People who say, I want to give so generously. I want to be so generous in my giving. I, want, I actually don't want to do generosity. I want to be generous. I want the extra rooms in my home to be used for someone and for something. I want the extra car in my driveway to go towards the people who don't have a car. I want to be generous. I want to pray when I get a bonus. I want to pray, God, is this for us and our next vacation or is this for someone else? I just want to be generous. I want to do that. I want to live in a way that, yes, I'm consistent, but I just am I just want to give more. What you'll find is those are the type of people that have so much joy in their life because the weird thing is the more we tend to hold to ourselves and keep to ourselves and and stockpile up. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. You should save and you should have financial plans. But I'm just saying the more we tend to do all this, uh, the less likely we are to look at someone else and to see someone else and to Feel the fulfillment of the joy of the Lord when we're able to help other people out. The less likely we are. Uh, it's hard, but it's worth it. Here's what it says in Acts, okay? Let's get to that. If you say, I'm, I'm not going to participate in tithe, that's an Old Testament thing. It's fine by me. Let's talk New Testament, okay? Here's what the New Testament says. Acts 4, verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind, which I think we could do a whole entire night on that one statement. All the believers were one in heart and mind. The things that divide us just forget. Anyways, let's not go there. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. Amazing. That's amazing to me. But they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all, uh, at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the cells, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. That is incredible. So just a few things. One heart and mind. So we're going, we have a mission here. We're on a mission. We're on a journey. So when we're here in church and we say, listen, in 10 years we want to see this is our kind of our 720 vision, okay? This is, that's the area code of Denver. Ten years, we want to see seven faith communities launched throughout Denver. And we want to see two pe- everyone learn to disciple two people at all times. One who doesn't know Jesus and one who does know Jesus. 
and to walk towards a Jesus-looking God with those people all the time, and that there's zero doubt that the kingdom of God is at work through supernatural things that are happening in our neighborhood, okay? That when we do this, we go, okay, one heart and mind. We can get behind that. Okay, we can do that. And they didn't claim that any of their possessions were their own. And that's where you're going, well, that's not part of the 7-2-0 vision. Okay, that's not part. And, and let, me, let me just remind you, you remember what it feels like when you walk into someone's house and you ask a few times, hey, can I get a cup of water? Or can I, do you mind if I get seconds? Or do you mind if I do this? And they go, hey, don't ask again. What's mine is yours. Mikasa S. Sukasa, Okay. I was actually unsure on my Spanish there, so I <laughs> handed it to you. My house is your house. When you're here, you're family. Okay, the Olive Garden stole that from the church somewhere along the way. Okay, but I, what I'm telling you is, the, the whole idea is, what's mine is yours. If you have need, and if I'm able, may I help you? May I help you? In Denver in particular, let's be honest, it is so expensive to live. It is so hard to make a living. There is a real spirit of striving in Denver, isn't there? I mean, it's real. And you imagine the grace it is to you. Um, here would be an illustration. Imagine you're taking a Lyft or an Uber to go home, and your Lyft or Uber driver turns off the app and says, I'll give you a ride home. I just, I'd love to talk to you and see how church was. That small, generous gesture would just probably blow your mind, okay? Because you go, who does this? Well, a generous person does that. If you were saying, I don't, <coughs> actually don't know how we're going to make it when it comes to certain bills or when it comes to um, needing a place to stay or with Thanksgiving right around the corner, you say, I don't have a place to go and someone says, oh, well, it's not my Thanksgiving table, it's our Thanksgiving table not my possession it's our possession why don't you come around the table with us you may have to cook some sweet potato casserole or just make whatever you like but why don't you come around the table with us and you go oh this changes things it changes things when you ask someone for a ride to the airport and they go yeah don't worry about it. just yeah sure I'll, I'll give you a ride it changes things right it changes things when the simple acts of generosity are because you don't count things as your own and they don't count things as their own. Does that make sense? That's a whole different category because that's a category the world just doesn't know. We must model that category. There's a great season to do that called Thanksgiving and Christmas where you can model this category of saying what mine is not mine, it's the Father's, and I, I can share it. I can do that. Now, yes, do we have boundaries? Yes, we have boundaries. Someone shows up at your front door and they have a gun in their hand and they say, hey, give me everything you got. Uh, what I say, do something different. Yeah, yeah, do, like it's not, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that you just be um, unwise with your resources. What I'm saying is don't draw the world's boundaries. If you're going to draw boundaries, draw boundaries that are given to you from the Lord Almighty who says, I have blessed you to be a blessing. I never know in Scripture a place where God blesses someone in order for them to keep and just to be blessed. We are blessed to be a blessing. In fact, in our family, we try to teach our kids 
when it comes to money, we want this posture, that sometimes God will allow money to pile up, and we call that savings, That'll be, and, and we're wise in that. Sometimes money comes and just bounces off, but the last thing we want is this posture, because for God to pry open our hands is a really, really um, hard thing. It hurts. I don't know if God's ever pried open your hands when you've had a hold of something. It is really, really um, painful, is what I'm trying to say. And uh, so we teach them, have this. So here, here would be the challenge I have to you, wherever you're at in this idea of generosity, specifically when it comes to your finances, wherever you're at. Do not hear tonight, oh, there's shame if I'm category one and someone else is category four. No, no, don't hear that. That's not what I'm saying. Could you go to the next level? Could you go to the next category? That's going to require a few things. One is trusting that God is who he says he will and that he's the one who gives you what he gives you anyways. Would you go to the next category? If, if you say, that's really hard for me, can you take tiny steps to, and start by asking God, God, why is this so difficult for me? Why is it so hard for me um, to let go of what I think is mine? Why is that so hard? As a church, the big C church, if the entire church um, around the globe were to start participating in the providence and promises of God in this area, I think that so many needs would be met. Millions and millions of needs would be met. And uh, what I would ask is, could you just go to the next step? We say the purpose of this service is that we all want to take one step towards a Jesus-looking God, okay? So whatever your God looks like, uh, we, uh, we believe that God is Jesus and Jesus is God. So if you look at Jesus and you go, I love Jesus. I don't know about everything else, but I love Jesus. Okay, well, let's go one step towards a Jesus-looking God. And, and this is how Jesus shows us. And, and if you have a hard time with all of this, when you look to Christ and you see a man who gave his entire life away, gave his entire, I mean, I'm not using that as a metaphor. I'm saying was nailed to a cross in order to bring salvation to mankind, gave his entire life away. And he did that with joy. I am blown away by the passage that says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He did that with joy. He goes to Calvary with great joy in his heart, knowing, now it's not with smiles, right? Deep, profound joy is very different than momentary happiness, but with joy, knowing this accomplishes so much more. The pain now accomplishes so much more. There are times where I have to look at uh, what God's asking me to do, and I go, God, the pain now accomplishes so much more. I can, I can have a kingdom perspective if you'll help. So, no shame. I pray a blanket of mercy and grace and uh, peace on this place. No shame. Would you ask God? Um, help me go to the next place, because I trust you. And if you say, I don't trust you, ask him why. And may he reveal it, because we must offer the treasures of our heart to him for him to have full access to our heart. And this is the most tightly locked treasure. And I think it's really difficult for all of us. But we can do it together. We can do it. I'll tell you um, a story, and then, and then we'll go into a time of response. Here's the reason Lisa's not here with me tonight is because she's sick. So she usually sits on the front row, and um, she's not here because at 3 in the morning, she just started getting sick. So then she's been in bed all day. Whitney, where's Whitney? Whitney did 
Whitworth, Whitney. She did a fantastic job um, leading worship and, uh, and the whole entire team. And so she did. Give her a round of applause. She did great. So uh, Lisa's sick. And, uh, and then on my way here, I'm about to get Brennan up from her nap, and she calls me in her room. It's like four, okay? So, so some of you got here earlier than I did today, which is rare, but uh, it's four. And Brennan calls me in her room, and she had just gotten sick, okay? And I'm going like, oh, and we we're supposed to leave on a plane tonight to go to Thanksgiving. So we, we delayed our flight till I don't know, when everybody's better, okay? So uh, all that to say, I call Piper in. She goes, this is like 440, and, uh, and I said, Piper, come here. Piper wakes up from a nap, and her hair's going crazy, okay? And she's our six-year-old. She's our six-year-old. So when you go, there's a lot of responsibility. I know, for a six-year-old, for sure. So she walks in, and you have mom and, and three-year-old um, sister on the couch, just laying there on the couch together. And, and I said, Piper, here's the thing. I need you to be in charge. Daddy's going to go to church. We're going to pray for mom and sister. I need you to be in charge. You can do this. And she's sucking her thumb with her poo blankie and her hair's crazy. And she goes, okay, you know. Which is the last thing you want when you wake up from a nap is for someone to say, hey, by the way, responsibility, everybody, okay. Responsibility, get your life together. Okay, so, so she's going, okay, okay. So I'm like, okay, you got this? Yeah, I got this. I said, okay. Everything's, everything's fine. Just, I'll be home. You just take care of them. Okay, Dad. Okay. So I'm walking out. She goes, Dad, by the way, give me a hug and a kiss. And I said, all right. And I give her a hug and a kiss, and I leave. So I'm driving here, and I think, I want to I wanna call her, make sure she's okay. That was a lot of responsibility to just lay on a six-year-old. So then I call her. I call Lisa. And I said, can you give the phone to Piper? And she goes, hey, Dad. And uh, we talk, and then Lisa gets the phone, and, and Lisa said, you know what Piper told me? And I said, what? She said, Piper said, Mom, I'm in charge tonight, <laughs> and uh, here's the only problem. I can't get to the top shelf if you need something from the top shelf. So, so it's got to be the lower shelves. <laughs> and, uh, and I was so moved because I think that's how we think about money is we can't participate because we're not the top shelf people. Like, God, I can't help because I can't get to the top shelf. Maybe one day, but I can't do the top shelf today. And I think God's just saying, no, no. No, you have authority on earth. Top shelf, low shelf, middle shelf, it doesn't matter. Just help. You're in charge. Just help. There are sick people around you. Just help. There are, there's brokenness around you. Just help. You're in charge. Now, we await the return of the king, right? We await till he comes and he's like, I got this, and, and it doesn't matter, but until that time, you're in charge. Top shelf, middle shelf, lower shelf, doesn't matter. In the authenticity that I told Piper, just help, just serve, I say that same authenticity to you. You don't have to reach to the top shelf. If you can, wonderful. If you can't, wonderful. Just help. Because when we talk about the needs of our city, nation, and world, may we be a people that open our hearts to God and to our Father. Can we stand together?